Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. We're talking about the curse of poverty reversed here tonight. And I know you may be here and you may say, oh, I don't, I don't want to hear a message like that. Uh, you know, I'm having a difficult time. Well, you're just the one that needs to hear it tonight. You see, what the enemy wants you to do is he wants you, when you hear things, uh, you know, that maybe cut a little bit, or you say, that's not really happening in my life, and, and you know, it, it can be abrasive to you. But what we need to do is open our hearts and our minds to receive tonight. And so that curse of poverty can be reversed. Now, we live in an area where there is poverty all around us. You know, we hear about Appalachia. We hear about, uh, you know, different places. There's pockets all over Knoxville, just like any other city. And there's poverty all around us. And so some people begin to think, well, that's really piety. If, I, if I'm humble uh, I'm supposed to be in poverty and I'm supposed to be broke. But I'm going to show you conclusively tonight, not from uh, anything that I'm just going to share of myself, even though I may give some testimonies and share my own stories, but I'm going to share from the Word of God conclusively to you tonight. And so if you have any doubt, faith can arise and starve those doubts to death. And maybe you're just at a place where you need to be encouraged about your blessing. You see, when the curse is reversed, the blessing comes in. And the Bible says that we are blessed with faithful Abraham. And we're redeemed from the curse of the law. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me right now to the book of Galatians. This is uh, really our, our main text that we're going to look at. And we're going to see some things. Uh, that Jesus has done for us. In verse number 13 of Galatians 3, some of you are going to be very familiar with that. Others of you, maybe you're not so familiar. See, sometimes we think that everybody knows it, everything. And see, that's not true because here in this church, we have people coming in uh, on all different spiritual levels. A lot of times people are coming in, they don't even know the Lord. They get born again here. Maybe they've not even heard the word. Other people, they're steeped in maybe religious tradition, and they still don't know the word. I tell you, I thought things were a certain way, and then when I started reading the Bible for myself, you know what I saw? It wasn't that way at all. It was some man's interpretation. So I don't want to give you my interpretation. I want to give you what the Scripture says, okay? Christ has redeemed or rescued or ransomed us from the curse of the law. Now, what is the curse of the law? I'm going to go back and reiterate a few things that I did last week. We see that the, uh, when you talk about the law, uh, you look, first of all, at those five books in the Old Testament, the first five books in the Old Testament, and it gives us what the law is. And then if we look at Deuteronomy 28, which we're not going to turn there right now anyway, I may have you do that before the evening's up. But if you turn over there, you begin to see... Uh, the curse of the law, and if you disobeyed God's word, and if you didn't do what he told you to do, the curse came in on you. Well, how many of you know that we none can live perfectly? 
So we're all in a heap of trouble if God didn't do something. But He did. Now listen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. See, we couldn't live up to the law. And God had to send Jesus to that cross to shed His blood to redeem us. And it says, being made a curse for us. Now see, that freaks some people out. Well, Jesus was not cursed. If He wasn't cursed with our curse, then we cannot be blessed with His blessing. And so we need to get out of this religious mind thought and we need to understand that somebody had to pay the cost. And it was Jesus, the perfect lamb, the sacrificial lamb, the only perfect man. Amen? And so Jesus was made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And that, of course, is talking about the cross of Calvary. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, how? Through faith. How do you get anything from God? It is through faith. And how do you get faith? It's when you see things in this book, His last will and testament that He left to you. If you're an heir, if, if you have family members and they have a will and they're leaving something to you, it will state what it is, right? Well, he let, this is his last will and testament to us as the born-again children of God, and it states what he wills for us. Well, whatever the Lord wills, and you know, I do believe this. I do believe that we need to say things sometimes like, if the Lord wills, because we don't know all the time what the Lord wills is. And I, I remember my daddy, and he, you know, whatever we'd talk to, well, if the Lord wills, you know, that, that's what he would say. And that meant he was open to God to show him what it is he was supposed to do. And that's good. And we should be open in things that we don't know with our life and our destiny and things that we're, you know, planning. If it's the Lord's will, I'll do thus and so. And that's good and that's positive and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, too many people take that to an extreme and they don't have balance in the Word of God. And the Bible says, be well balanced because your adversary, the devil, roams about seeking whom he may devour. And so when you get out of balance in the scripture, then the enemy is there to cause a snare or a trap for you. So yes, there are times that we say, if the Lord wills, we'll do thus and so. But there's other times in the Bible where we look in this book and we already know what the will of God is and we don't have to ask anymore. God's looking for some bold people. The righteous are bold as a lamb, a lion. <laughs> and the wicked flee even when nobody's pursuing them. The righteous are bold, and that means whatever God says, we're bold to say, okay, I believe that. That's big, God, but you're a big, big God. You're a mighty God. You're able to do that. And see, that's what we need to do. But he says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. See, the Gentiles were left out. We're Gentiles that he's talking about. We were left out, but we've been grafted in because of what Jesus did. 
And he said that we might receive the promise of the Spirit again through faith. Amen? Now, if you are cursed, that means you're damned or you're doomed. It means to bring evil evil upon, evil and misfortune, torment, supernatural power that brings harm. See, we need to understand that God is not the supernatural power that brings harm when we're talking about a curse. Jesus doesn't have curses. He has blessings. The Father doesn't have curses. He has blessings. When you read in the Old Testament... And, and it talks about, you know, an evil spirit was sent from God and things like that. That, that was not interpreted right. And I remember reading after Dr. Robert Young, and he said uh, that as an evil spirit was permitted. How was it permitted? Because the door was opened somehow, you know. So it was permitted to come in. It didn't come from God because God doesn't have evil spirits. He has angels ministering spirits. You've got a ministering spirit. Amen? And so we can see then if we've been redeemed from the curse, we've been redeemed from damnation and being doomed and torment and the harm that, that would come through that. We've been redeemed from the curse of spiritual death. That means that our spirits were dead until we came to the Lord and God gave us life made our spirits alive. And we talked about when we go uh, on to be with the Lord, the body stays upon the earth, but the real you, the spirit man, goes to heaven immediately. Not soul sleep, not laying in the ground. The body lays down, but the spirit is alive. Now, a person that doesn't know the Lord and doesn't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, they have a spirit that will live forever, but it's in spiritual death and not, not life. When you're born again, you have spiritual life abiding on the inside of you, and you have a promise of heaven as your home. But if you die without the Lord on this earth, you live on eternally. Your spirit man does. The real you goes to hell. And see, that's not popular today. Well, don't, let's don't talk about hell. No, we better talk about hell while there's time to talk about hell, while people can make other preparations and not go there. There's a warning that needs to be made. And I'm telling you what, I see people all the time, well, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and they live like the devil himself. And so I, you know, that's going to be between them and God to make that one. I'm glad I'm not the judge, but I'll tell you this. I would be afraid to live like that. Everybody messes up. We talked about that. Everybody sins, comes short of the glory of God. That's why we had to have Jesus. But, you know, if you're in habitual sin, the Bible says that you don't know God. I didn't say it. The Bible did, so... Don't come up here and tell me I shouldn't be saying that, okay? So anyway, the th uh, when we're redeemed from this curse, it's ba basically three areas. Spiritual uh, death we're redeemed from. We're redeemed from poverty, and we're redeemed from sickness and disease. Now, when we talk about um, poverty, I think that we're redeemed from poverty to God's prosperity. And I like to, I like to talk about it like this. It's whole life prosperity. 
Everything about your life. Does it include finances? Yes, it certainly does. I make, I don't back up a bit in talking about that. Why? We want you to prosper even as your soul prospers like God said in 3 John. Prosper as your soul. Well, I don't really care about getting anything. You know, I just want to get by here on the earth. You are selfish. I can't believe I said that. (laughs) Why do I say that? We talked about it a little bit last week. Abraham, Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham was blessed so that he could be a blessing. And so, does God take care of your needs? But for you to just say, all I want is just take care of me, God. See, that's selfish. And I, I don't mean that. I'm, I don't mean that in a mean way. But I said it to shock you. Because I, I don't want to be mean when I preach. But I do, I do want to tell you this. You need to go beyond thinking about how you're going to take care of you, but how that you can minister to someone else. And see, that's a mindset that we need to allow to be developed in us through the Word of God. And if you're like me, I didn't know that. I can remember. It was probably in 1976, Tony, when I began to hear preaching from the Word of God like we do here. I'd never heard it before. Now, my dad was a a Baptist pastor, and he was a good preacher. I know not too long ago, um, I sat down. My brother had made a CD for me and my my other sisters, too, uh, of my dad preaching uh, at a radio station here in Knoxville. And for the longest time, I couldn't listen to it because I knew, you know, it's it's painful. You know, you love somebody, and, and it's hard. But I knew I needed to listen to that. I knew I needed to listen to it. So I sat down. I got in a room by myself where nobody would disturb me, and I didn't want you know, anybody else to be a part of this. And I sat down and I just sat there and wept because the the good word that he was preaching. And see, I was, of course, a kid, a teenager. I, you know, wasn't half listening to whatever, you know, I was sitting there, you know, writing notes to girls and flirting with boys or whatever you do, you know. <laughs> Just, just not really paying a whole lot of attention. And, and then, you know, just to realize he was a real preacher of the Word of God and had such a deep conviction and loved the Lord with all of his heart. But even with all of that, in that period of time, there was not revelation the way it is now. You know, the Bible says in, in Daniel that in the last days that knowledge shall increase, and we know that it keeps increasing and increasing and increasing at tremendous speed right now. I mean, it's amazing how uh, knowledge is multiplying in the earth. And so during that time, he didn't know things um, that, that I began to see there in 1976. I had never heard it before. And when I did, I was absolutely amazed. And I remember saying to Eddie, if this is true, what in the world have we been believing? And you know what? It was true. But there was revelation. And let me tell you something. You remember the charismatic move that came 
you know, in the, the uh, 60s, 70s, along in there. Do you know that when people get filled with the Holy Spirit, that they get revelations, that they get an, their eyes opened? It's like a veil is removed from their eyes. And see, that's what happened to me. But see, that's what was happening in the 60s and 70s all that time. And people were, by the hundreds and thousands, were being filled with the Holy Spirit. We take it today like everybody is filled with the Holy Spirit, even though that's not true. But there are a lot of people, and it crosses all denominations, that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And because of that flood of the, the Holy Spirit, great knowledge and understanding has come from the Bible. I remember, and I, uh, it was uh, probably like in 1978 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, I remember sitting down with my... Now, I always read the Bible. I, you know, I've told you all this before. You know, uh, uh, even when I was a ten teenager, I'd act up, do wrong things, you know, and all that kind of thing. Come in that night before I went to bed and read the Bible. Didn't understand a word that I read, but I read it. Why? Because I've been taught that way. That was good. That was good. But then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I can remember the time that I sat down with my Bible and, and I started reading and it was like popcorn. Just... Scripture was coming up, to, and, and God was speaking to me. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be. You need that experience. It's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And so, you know, knowledge abounds today, and revelation from the Word of God is here, and that's why we bring things like tonight and every single week and night that we come together and, and we see wonderful things from the Word of God. Amen? But we've been redeemed from the curse, and we've been blessed, that is for sure. If you look at Deuteronomy 28, it talks about being blessed coming and going. Coming and going. Do you come and go? Well, you do every day from your home, your job, you know, church, whatever, you come and go. And then other times we come and go in different ways. And I remember in 1978, when we moved to California, we were, we were going. And, and I can remember during that time, that was a very difficult time for me because I love the Lord with all of my heart, but I didn't want to leave my home. But God spoke to us, really he spoke to Eddie, and uh, Eddie says, well, you know, I think I'm called into the ministry. And I just said, well, he didn't call me, and you weren't called when I married you. <laughs> And the, the reason I said that, because I've been brought up in a pastor's home, and I knew about that. It was like, well, I don't, I'm not too fond of this, you know. But eventually, you know, I got used to the idea, and, and I love the Lord, and I knew that I had to say yes to God. I knew I had to. We were married, and it wasn't going to be any other way. And so if God had called Eddie, then it was up to me to support him and do what I had to do. And that meant going. And I was blessed going. Now, I want to tell you a story. I haven't told this in a long, long time. But I remember when we moved out there, and, you know, Eddie tells the story that I cried for two weeks. Well, now, you ladies know that's not true. How many weeks did I cry? One. That's right. And you, don't you forget that either. <laughs> if he says two, you just... That's right. All right. But anyway, I got over the crying spell and all of that. We got out there, and we didn't have furniture, though. 
Um, you, we had sold our home here, took the equity, and we were moving out there. He had to go to school. We had to pay tuition. You know, I worked while I was out there. I was able actually to transfer from a place I worked uh, in Knoxville uh, to California. They, their home uh, corporation, uh, the, the home office was there. And so I was able to transfer. Wasn't that something? I mean, <laughs> I thought that was really God, too. But anyway, so we get out there, we don't have furniture. We're sleeping on the floor, and, um, and we rented an apartment. It was a nice apartment, but in this apartment, they didn't have a refrigerator. Well, we thought they would, and they didn't, and none of the apartments did. And the, the rent was very expensive. You, can, you, are, you know that just if you know anything about, about California reading it. Now they're always more expensive. Their living costs are more expensive uh, than here, uh, you know, in Tennessee. But anyway, so we got out there not having those things. And I remember we just prayed and, and we just trusted the Lord. You know, after I got over my crying binge and, you know, we got all situated and all of that. And so we just had settled into life and we needed a refrigerator. We didn't have living room furniture and we didn't have a bed. Well, we did go out and we purchased a bed, but we still didn't have any of that furniture. And I remember one day, um, the man uh, that lived in the next apartment to us, we met him, very nice man. He had just gotten born again and they had been praying for Christian neighbors. Isn't that something? And so we happened to move in. So he comes into our apartment and he sees that we don't have living room furniture. And then he, you know, goes into the kitchen, sees that we don't have a refrigerator. Well, he tells Eddie, he said, I am uh, uh, into, you know, this business and uh, doing, you know, different things in this business. And sometimes uh, people will want to pay me with things, material things, rather than money. And so he said, you won't believe this, but I've just taken in a den set and I've just taken in a refrigerator. Let's just go right now into my garage and bring those things into your house. And so we were blessed. And you see that, could we figure out how that was going to happen? Could we reason and know how that God was going to supply? No, and see, that's the same way today. We don't need to try to figure it out on our own. Now, I'm not saying that you don't plan and, uh, and do things wisely because you do, but there wasn't really a lot that we could do. We just trusted the Lord. We knew that we were in God's will, and God blessed us. And so going, we were blessed. And when we came back to Knoxville, we've told you stories about that. We were blessed coming and we were blessed going. And you see, that's what we need to understand about ourselves individually and about our families. We're blessed coming and going. Where you say, I feel anything but blessed. If you only knew uh, from what you're reading, I, it's like I'm under a curse. Well, that is illegal. It is illegal or you're not serving the Lord in the way that you need to. You say, well, that's a difficult thing to say. Yes, it is, and I'm not pointing any fingers, and I'm not trying to say, that's you. No, what I'm saying is you have to inspect yourself. Only you can do that. Now, does that mean that Christians don't go through difficult times? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers out of them all. 
And so when the curse tries to come in, it's been reversed. You stand for God's blessing in your life. That's the time to use your faith. That's the time to move the mountains that are there. That's the time to see the curse reversed. It's already been done. It's already been paid for. But sometimes we have to stand our ground. Say, stand my ground. So you have to do that. Have you ever, you know, when you were a kid, did you ever have, uh, you know, uh, kids that were in your class and they were bullies or, you know, tried to run over you, you know? You had to stand your ground, didn't you? You have to. If you don't, you're going to get a black eye or whatever, you see. And so you have to stand your ground against the devil. How do you stand it? Is it a physical stance? Is it an action in the, in the physical that you can do to maneuver or manipulate? No, it's a stand of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. See, you got to lay hold of something and not just let something lay hold of you. It's time to make a difference. It's time to make a change. Can you say amen? amen. Or like Brother Hagin says, oh me. Okay, um, let's talk just a moment here. Um, we know that Adam was placed upon the earth, and when he was placed here, it was good. He was in the garden, and everything was good. And one day, the deceiver, the trickster, came. And he disobeyed God, ate of the tree of good and evil. And at that particular time, he gave his blessing away. He gave it away. Who did he give it to? Does anybody want to tell me? The devil himself. He gave it away. And before he gave it away, Adam was told this. I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to conquer. I want you to bring into subjection. I want you to use what I have given you to its full extent. See, this earth is not going to, you know, we're, we, we're, we're worshiping this earth more than God himself in a lot of ways. That's ridiculous. This earth is going to last as long as God says it needs to last. And so we're to use it to its full potential. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about use. So Adam was told before, you know, he gave away his blessing to the devil to subdue the earth, have dominion, rule, prevail, act as a king, if you will, over the earth, over the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and every creeping thing, you are to have dominion. And so I want you to think about that. Now, do you know that God wants you and me to have dominion? Instead of us being run over, we're supposed to reign in life as a king and a priest unto God. Isn't that what Romans tells us? You see, but the devil came and deceived. Adam gave it away. And... So what had to happen is now we had to be redeemed or rescued or ransomed back by Jesus Christ. Amen? So Adam gave it away, 
And in Luke 4, 6, out of the Good News Bible, I want you to listen to this. All this power and all this wealth has been handed over to me. That's exactly what happened, isn't it? It was handed over to the devil. And I can give it to anyone I choose. You know the devil can make people rich and the devil uh, can, can cause what looks like a blessing to come upon people. I've seen that before, to make people think, well, that must be God, you know. No, the devil knows how to do that, but I can tell you he'll pull the rug out from under you at the time that's going to bring destruction and devastation into your life. And so here we see then that Satan got the authority, he got what belonged to Adam, and the curse came in on mankind. So it was up to God to intervene, to do something to get his man back into the earth. You see, the devil, uh, uh, the devil uh, operates and controls the world system. Silver and gold is mine, says the Lord, and the cattle on a thousand hills. But see, the world system, that's where the devil gets in. And I'm going to tell you, if you try to function and operate only in the world system as a Christian, you won't have success. Now, do you need to use your head and use your brain and be wise? Of course you do. God gives you a brain, use it. And see, I see lots of spirit-filled people that do such flaky things and they don't use their brain and do all kinds of crazy things to embarrass the cause of Christ. So I'm not talking about things like that. All right. So we see then Satan had the authority that Adam handed over to him, but Adam had dominion before that time. And now we, uh, we have just looked at Galatians 3, and we see that Christ has redeemed us back to him. And he took that curse off of our life, and he brought the blessing back in. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Now, when you talk about poverty... And that's what we're talking about tonight, how God has redeemed us through Jesus from this curse of poverty. What is poverty? It's not a blessing. Poverty's not a blessing. If you've been in some of the countries, and many of you have outside of the United States, and you go, and even pockets here, and you go and you see really poverty-stricken areas, how could you say in any form or fashion that that was God's work? Because it's filth, sickness and disease, starvation. And that is not God. That is not God at all. That's what the devil does. But poverty is a neediness. It's want. Now listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. But see, in poverty, there's great need. It's hardship, scarcity insufficiency, poor. You see, well, I'm just going to be poor for the Lord. No, you're just going to be poor because you're deceived by the devil. 
And, and you know, if, if you don't look in the book and you don't study it for yourself, you don't understand that and you don't realize it. I didn't know it. But when I got my eyes open to it, it was the most wonderful thing to see that God was a blesser. He wasn't there to condemn me. He wasn't there to make it hard for me. He was there to be a blessing in my life and to bring the blessing. And so as we look at the scripture tonight, we see that that curse of poverty, again, has been reversed. 1 Corinthians 8, 9. That though he, talking about Jesus, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be, there's that word, rich. Well, I believe God can meet my needs, but I don't believe he wants me rich. Well, I'll just take what you don't want because I believe that he wants me rich. Now, what does rich mean? Well, you know, are we all going to be millionaires? No, that's not what he's saying. When you talk about rich, it means a full supply, an abundant supply. There have been lots of times in my life that I didn't have a full supply or abundant Supply was not there. But I'm telling you, that's what I believe for. That's what I'm standing for. Look, with our economy the way that it is, with things going the way that they are, we need to be believing for this blessing that I'm talking about tonight. And not just accepting and receiving things and saying, that's just the way it is. It might be the way it is right now, but it is subject to change. Because it's temporary. And the things that are temporal or temporary are subject to change. What will change them? The power of the Word of God in a believer's mouth and heart will change our situation. See, you might be like me in 1976. Well, that's just too good to be true. Well, it's true and it's very good. And it's for you. It says that though Jesus was rich, where was he rich? In heaven. He had every, I mean, full provision. I mean, opulence, prosperity. You know, you read about heaven, gates of pearl, streets of gold, opulence, rich, full supply, abundance. So when he was in heaven... He was rich. And it says here that though Jesus was rich for your sakes, everybody say for my sake, sake. Jesus became poor. For our sake. That That was just not another thing to do for him to come to heaven to the earth and give up what he did. But I'm going to tell you this. When Jesus came to the earth, in in the uh, in heaven's standards, you know, he became poor. But in the earth standards, he was still rich. But he became poor for you and for me. That through his poverty, you might be rich, or again have that full supply, or have abundance through his poverty. You see, there again, I want you to see this great exchange. He took our poverty that we could receive his prosperity and his riches, 
He wanted to make us rich to have a full supply. Now tonight, while I'm talking to you, I don't want to indicate to you at all. And see, again, I, I, I'm, a real, I'm really big on balance. I really am. Uh, there are times that you sacrifice. I've told you, Eddie's told you, times in our own personal life that we've had to sacrifice, do without. But we laid it down because we knew for the greater good and the cause of Jesus Christ and for what we were doing, we were willing to lay it down. And Paul said, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound or be in abundance. I know how to do either one. So I'm talking about balance tonight. There may come a time in your life where you, like us, had to give up what you had in order to get what God has out there for it. I mean, we had to do that to plant this church. We couldn't have done it any other way. We just had to obey God. Now, if we hadn't have done it, do you think that 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 would have just been it. I don't know. Probably God would have found someone else and we could have gone on with our life and probably have some, you know, semblance of blessing on us, but it would have never been what it is now. So sacrificing is a part. See, some people are all in when we talk about rich, their minds just go crazy. And they, then they just start imagining all this. But, but see, again, I want to bring balance into this. And God said, Jesus came and became poor and took our poverty that we could be made rich. But there are times that you do sacrifice. But now listen to this. Seek ye first, not third, fourth, or fifth, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and then what will happen? All these other Things, what, what things? Things that we live in. Things that we wear. Things that we drive. Things that we eat. All these other things, God will add richness to our life. Full supply and abundance. But He says, don't try to go after the riches. Because if you do, you're going to fail. I couldn't tell you how many times... You know, that we, we preach, you know, prosperity. And we, we preach that this poverty curse has been reversed. And we preached it for years, though. It's not new news now. We preached it for years. But we see people who will take wh what we preach and they will twist it and distort it and try to manipulate and get things and, and, and cause things to happen and, and I mean, they're rich. I want to be rich. And it's, it's, it's almost like a, um, just something they're eating up with, you know? See, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all the things will be added unto you. It didn't say if you seek the kingdom of God, you're going to be poorer than anybody. You're never going to have clothes to wear. You're never going to have the right kind of food to eat. You're never going to have a nice place to live. He didn't say that. He said, if you seek him first, he'll take care of all those things. Some people don't care about that stuff anyway, and others do. I always have. I want a nice house. I want to live in a nice place. I want to drive a nice car. I don't like sloppy and dirty and all of that kind of stuff, you know. And I believe if you're God's, we're not going to love that anyway. I mean, but everybody has different desires and levels of, you know, what's good to them. 
So what I want to say tonight is I want, I want to bring a little balance in here to say what I'm preaching to you tonight is not a get-rich-quick gospel. No, that's not it. And you know if you don't sow, you don't reap, right? So you have to sow into the key kingdom financially, but we're really not talking about that tonight. And don't get upset because we're not going to receive an offering or anything. I want you to take your Bibles and uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Are you listening? I'm going to read from verse number 8. For bodily exercise profits little. Oh my, who got under conviction? (laughs) Bodily exercise profits a little bit. In other words, what he's saying, there is benefit when you exercise your body. And I believe that you need to take care of your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so he says it is good. There is benefit derived from bodily exercise. You like that, don't you, James? That's right. Okay. But let's read on. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Now here see saying exercise is going to profit you a little bit. It may give you a few more years. It may give you a better quality of life while you're here. But he said even though that's true, godliness is profitable in all things. Not just a little bit of benefit, but it will benefit you in all things. Now listen to this. Having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. See, we don't read that scripture sometimes fully. Having a promise of the life that now is. Well, that's King James, but what he's saying here is godliness or living for God is profitable, beneficial right now in this life. Well, I know that just means when we go to heaven, you know, it's going to be profitable that we've served God on the earth. That's true because it says that. It says in the life to come. But don't forget that he says right now in this life, it is profitable. And you see, I see people that knew the Lord and they backslidden and they're out here living for the devil. And I'm telling you, They're under a curse, and they are not profiting so much to the other extreme. They're not profiting. They're not benefiting, but they're suffering. And you see, you can't blame that on God because God is just like the prodigal. He's waiting there with those arms extended. If you're here tonight, you're not right with God. Things are not the way that they need to be. And you're living under this curse that we're talking about. It's been reversed. You come to God, He will come to you. Draw near to Him, He'll draw near to you. Isn't that what the Bible says? But he says godliness or living for God is profitable or beneficial for you. It pays to serve God, in other words. It's okay to say that. It pays to serve God. And it will cost you if you don't. And that is for sure. Amen? So he says now in this lifetime, 
It will benefit you if you serve God. Isaiah 119. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What's the good of the land? Eat the good of the land. Well, it's eating the good of the land, wearing the good of the land, living in the good of the land, whatever. If you are willing and you are obedient. You remember the story I told you a a few moments ago about going to California? I was obedient, but there for a while I wasn't willing. (laughs) I had to get willing and obedient, obeying God. See, there's a novel idea, isn't it? We want to do our own thing, but God wants us to obey Him and have the right kind of attitude when we obey Him. If God tells us to do something, we we need to have the right kind of attitude. Oh my God, I have to do this. Yeah, it is your privilege to do that because God requested it of you and you're His covenant child and you are blessed And you're out from under a curse, so obey, amen? Obey the Lord. What the Bible says about poverty. Got your pen out? You'll want to write these things down. What the Bible says about poverty. Proverbs 6.10, we're not going to turn there, but they may put them up on, on the screen. But it talks about too much sleeping and laziness when you should be working will bring poverty upon you. Now, I'm a person, I like to have eight hours of sleep a night. Now, I don't always get that, but I like to have that, and, and, and pretty much I need that. Uh, but, you know, some people, they sleep all the time, and they're just flat lazy. They don't get up and clean up their house. They don't clean up their yard. They don't do, you know, half do their job when they go to work and things like that. And the Bible says that that kind of stuff will bring a poverty into your life. Laziness is not acceptable. Did you know that? I didn't say it. This is not thus saith Nora. This is thus saith the Lord. Okay, Proverbs eleven twenty four. Holding on to things and hoarding things will and being stingy will bring poverty. Could that be a pack rat? Any pack rats in here? But, you know, some people just hoard everything. Have you ever, I've seen people like that. They'll, they'll save scraps of paper and scraps of tin foil and, uh, you know, and all this stuff. And if you went in their house and opened the, the cabinet, well, it would just fall out on you, you know, just come out. Well, you shouldn't be saying that. Yes, I should. Holding on to things and hoarding them. But uh, in in verse number 25, it says, But a generous man shall be prosperous. Proverbs 13, 18 says that this will bring poverty into your life, being unteachable, uncorrectable, and stubborn will bring poverty into your life. Some people are just unteachable. And if you are, if you will not hear, if you think that you know everything, you ever know anybody like that? They know everything? None of us know everything. And we need to keep an open heart. And I didn't say gullible, but we need to keep an open heart to God and, and, and to the people that God brings into our life. If we submit ourselves to them, then we need to be teachable and correctable. I, I'm amazed. There, there are times here in the church, obviously, you know, doing what we 
We do, that there's times where you have to correct things. And, and you know, we never try to hurt anyone. We never try to, um, to embarrass anyone or make it hard for anyone. But there are times that you just have to talk to people and, and you have to bring correction in a loving way, just the best that you can. And even at that, people will not receive it. And if people are, I'm not just talking about let everybody correct you and let everybody speak into your life, but the right people. You see, and if you're correctable and if you're teachable, if we remain that way, then God can bring that blessing into our life, reverse a curse, and get poverty out of the way. And so, see, the only, the only person who can measure this in their life, you and me. We are, we, we're the ones that know what goes on inside of us. And if, if we just get that stubbornness, well, they're not going to tell me anything. Who do they think they are? And again, the right setting in the right way, if people in a loving way try to correct and try to teach and if we accept that, then God can bring his blessing to us. He's trying to help us overcome. He's trying to help us get over things that open the door to cursing. Amen? And so it's important that we do that. Okay? Uh, Proverbs twenty thirteen: Laziness brings poverty. Now that other scripture alluded to that too, but laziness brings poverty. I have seen in ministry over the years, and I have seen men and women that didn't have anything that were struggling and were not about to get a job or not about to work. Now, if that is the case, don't you say that the devil brought a curse and don't you say that God's not providing because that's not the truth. Every one of us have to get up off our rear end and do something. Work. That's not a curse word. <laughs> work. And you know, stay-at-home moms, do you think they don't work? They work, work, work. Everybody's got to work. Everybody's got to do something, you know. And so, laziness will bring poverty. Now, I'm really going to bear down on this one. Are you ready? This is my favorite one. <laughs> You'll see why in a minute, those of you especially that know me. Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I'm, I just want you to see it so much, I'm going to turn there. Okay. Proverbs 24, verse number 30. I went by the field of a slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. I looked upon it and I received instruction. Now think about that. Went by the house of the sluggo that hadn't mowed his yard, that had a washing machine and refrigerator sitting out on the front porch, and two or three cars in the yard. Am I preaching to East Tennessee or what? No, not anybody here wouldn't do that. So I went by his house, 
and I looked upon it, and I got instruction. <laughs> that was speaking. Boy, it speaks to me. I cannot stand that. I absolutely can't. I just want to get up there and clean their porch off myself. <laughs> it's like, I think if you got a house, keep it clean. I think if you got a yard and God has blessed you with a place, make it look as good as you can. You may not be, I'm not talking about a show house. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about perfection. But if God gives you something, take care of it. And you know, we always taught our children. And we would say, you know, if God gives you something, if you're going to get other things, you better take care of what He gives you. If He gives you a car... You know, I used to affectionately call my van a biscuit mobile. Some of you moms know what I'm talking about because, you, you know, you're on your way taking your kids here and there and soccer and school or whatever else, you know, and everybody's eating biscuits and McDonald's and, you know, whatever and throwing their wrappers down, you know. But there comes a time you got to get the shovel out and clean that thing up. If God gives us something, he said, learn and get instruction from looking at things like that because that's not me. That's not the way I do things. That's not the way that I bless people. You see, and when you do that, that will bring poverty on your life. So what do you do? You go home, if that's your house, nobody knows about it, just you, unless you've had a few friends over, maybe just call them and get them to help you. Get those big black trash bags out. And start getting rid of some of those magazines that you've had for 40 years. I guess I'm going to meddling here. I told you that was, very, that was one of my favorites. <laughs> okay. So neglecting your property and possessions and not taking care of what God gives you will bring poverty into your life. Proverbs 28, 19. The NIV. He who works his ground will have abundant food, but the man who chases after fantasies shall have his fill of poverty. And chasing after things that are not real, you know, get rich quick kind of things, you know, chasing after things that, and not doing what, you know, what you're supposed to be doing in the Lord. And that, that's just working and laboring and believing and trusting. The seventh thing that, uh, the Bible says about poverty is Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-two, and again, it, it has to do with the get-rich-quick schemes, um, and it will bring poverty into your life. And the eighth and last thing it will bring poverty will bring is in Proverbs twenty-three, twenty, and twenty-one: drunkards and gluttonous person brings themselves into poverty, overindulging in food. Or any other thing, just, just not food, but overindulgence will bring poverty into your life and a drunkard. And, and you know that, that's no new news. But, but sometimes, you know, uh, we, we don't associate or equate these things, and, and the Bible gives us very clear understanding of that. Deuteronomy 8.18, but you shall remember... Don't forget the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power, the ability to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant. And then again, it's the covenant of blessing that God gives to you. God warns us 
and um, tells us that the wealth, the ability to get the wealth comes from him, but don't forget him and don't start taking credit for what's, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just so sharp, you know, I've got so much experience. You may have that, but don't brag on yourself, boast on God. What about it? Don't you think that's a better idea? Now, Paul said in Philippians 4.12, I know how to be abased and live humbly in straightened circumstances, and I know how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. And see, that's where we need to be and um, in understanding what God's will is. And when we're in a time maybe where we're having to sacrifice, if we're in a time where things are maybe not going the way that they need to go, understanding what the will of the Lord is, and not receiving and accepting anything but that. John 10, 10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to, it, to the full till it overflows. Amen? So we understand that the Bible tells us don't trust in riches. Don't trust them. Don't go after riches, you go after the Lord and you obey God. In the book of Revelation, now listen, again, I'm, I'm getting back into the balance area, okay? In the book of Revelation, it says in the last day that there's going to be a church. And inside the church, there's going to be a group of people that says that they are, have need of nothing, they're rich, they're prosperous, but the Bible says they don't even know that they're wretched, naked, blind, and poor. So we're not trusting in riches. But see, I, the reason I'm even bringing these scriptures in is to tell you this. I know they're in the Bible. But that still does not negate what I am telling you here. That the curse has been reversed. The curse of poverty has been reversed. And God has blessed you and me with faithful Abraham. Abraham's blessing is ours. He was rich and plenteous in goods and cattle. And everything, God just heaped blessing upon his life. God wants to do the same for you and me. We just need to cooperate. We need to, uh, if God tells us to get things out of our life, if he tells us to get a relationship right, if he tells us to st stop lying, cheating, stealing, whatever it is, we need to stop it and obey what he tells us. Because sometimes we can open the door to things and we don't understand why the curse is there. We don't understand that. But God doesn't want you cursed. He wants you blessed. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.